Hello, you are listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. I had the honor of being on the show with Shay and wow, how authentic she is and how much I know that she wants to keep hope alive in the community. So thank you all for joining. And everyone here today, I'm offering a special to all active duty or retired military to my all access on-demand training where we learn how to dream, believe, and achieve our best life. Please visit at timlanefitness.com and I'll see you all soon. Enjoy the show. You are listening to On the Road segment of the Power of Investing in People podcast with Shay Sparks, where I met up with two of my friends who are also fellow podcasters while in Montgomery, Alabama. We had so much fun in person that we didn't want to ruin the laughter and conversation just to start recording. So we decided to record at a later date via Zoom. And the conversation, as you will about to hear, is on fire. Technical Sergeant Caleb Pearson is an instructor for the professional development at the Air Force Academy at the Maxwell Gunter Base in Montgomery, Alabama. He has created a program for postpartum female airmen and is a professional bodybuilder and trainer. Also, he is the host of the Ignite podcast, where I had the honor to be the first torchbearer on his show. We discuss everything from men who are in toxic and abusive relationships to what motivates him to serve with excellence. Stay tuned for his inspiring journey. You won't want to miss it. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and business by transforming trauma into treasure. Check out my new hashtag, my, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> my new co-author collaborative book called Hashtag Firestarters, How to Be a Spark of Hope in the Midst of Change on my website at shaysparks.com. And I invite you to connect with me with all my social media links on there on my website, like Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and even YouTube. And today, our special guest is one of my very favorite people that I just got the honor of meeting in person when I was on the road. And we had so much fun. Well, I'll tell you in a little bit. So his, But first of all, his name is... Caleb Pearson. So welcome to the show, Caleb. Hi, Shay. How are you doing? It's great to be here. (laughs) Well, it's great to be here with you. And I was just about to say we had so much fun when we met in person on my tour that we didn't even get a chance to record because we were (laughs) like, oh, no, let's just shut Panera down instead. (laughs) Yeah, we had a blast at Panera and we kept looking at the time and we were like, "Ah, well, we're good. You know, these things that happen organically, you just kind of have to let them happen. And I'm so glad we did. We had such a great time. Oh, yeah. we Yes. If you guys could have been a fly on the wall, you would have seen how people left the restaurant because we were making we were so loud from laughing (laughs) so hard. So you, me and Bodie, we 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 were quite the tribe that night. Yes, it was it was a blast. And it was really good. It was it was cool because it was like I know it was I think it was the first time I had been in person with with you and Bodie, even though Bodie's down here. So it was really cool because it was like it was like we were all just old friends meeting up again, yeah. you know? Like yeah. we had met before, you know, in the past in, in that kind of a setting. So it was really nice. Well, and that just goes to show I think with the power of Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can meet someone and have conversations and you you just immediately connect and and we did just a few months ago back in February when you had when I was on your podcast. Yes, yes, whenever you and you opened you opened this Ignite podcast when we did our launch and that right there was a, a blessing in and of itself because we had a previous conversation prior to the opening of you doing your series Spark Your Alpha and that was that was really really powerful and really incredible and I mean I think we sat and spoke for a good hour and 45 minutes almost 2 hours so it was it was definitely awesome 
Mm. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love it. And so please tell our audience, I know we're not sitting in my car, but we're going to pretend like we're sitting in my car mm. <laughs> in the Panera parking lot. So please tell our audience what your title is and about the, the name of your podcast. Okay. So yeah, just like Shay said, I'm Caleb Pearson. I am technical sergeant Caleb Pearson. I've been in the United States Air Force for... <sighs> I'm showing my age now, almost 16 years. It'll be 16 years in August. It's been a wonderful 16 years. Currently, I am a instructor at the Non-Commissioned Officer Academy. I teach professional military education. So things like leadership, development, problem-solving, negotiations. We we talk about everything from, uh, what do you call it, behavior, understanding like your, your what is the name? My brain just went went silent. Uh, <laughs> no, we 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 go every oh culture differences in culture backgrounds things like that and history military histories things like that. So that's what I currently do. Um, originally, I'm an aircraft armament systems specialist. So for those of you who don't know, I'm weapons, which were called low toed. I make the the planes lethal. I put all the bombs and stuff on the plane. So without me, it's just another airline. That's kind of what they say. <laughs> but Yes, and my podcast, the Ignite Podcast, is tomorrow or is behind me, and we just closed out—not just, but recently—closed out the first season. It was my chance to kind of break off into the podcasting world, kind of get my feet wet. It was uh, born from my partnership with Bodie on his podcast, The Shadows. I co-hosted for a little bit, and then we had this idea, and Ignite was born. And it has been an incredible podcast, an incredible journey where, again, you opened and we provide master classes, so to speak, on professional and life development. And we've had an incredible cast of torchbearers, is what I, what I call my teachers. And Shay is a part of a forever club of torchbearers. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about everything from leadership development to Come, overcoming adversity to knowing how to recognize when somebody has has something going on. So it's been a great time. And yeah, that that's pretty much wraps up me. <laughs> Sorry <laughs> well, for the little fumble there. <laughs> no, that's okay. And I will add that you are also a bodybuilder as well. I am. I am. So, and that's, you know, I've been bodybuilding since like 2014 and I went pro in 2017 in the IFBB as a men's physique bodybuilder and, you know, um, stepped, stepped, did, did my pro year on, uh, did one show in 2018 and then kind of took a break because, you know, I, I was diagnosed with lupus and going through other things, shoulder issues, stuff like that. So I took some time off to let my body heal, work on my professional career. And, and now I'm back in it, back training and we'll see come maybe September if, if I will be under the lights again. Mm, I love it. I love <laughs> it. And you're also developing an app as well. Mm, yes. So I have, well, you just, you, you're getting all my good stuff. Um, <laughs> no, for the past, so 2017, 2017 was a good year. Actually, there's so much that happened. I was stationed at Dias Air Force Base in Abilene, Texas, and I created a program called PrEP. It's a, uh, stands for Postpartum Rehabilitation and Reintegration Exercise Program. And the idea was, came about, when I was thinking about active duty, me and my chief were thinking about active duty service members, female who have had a child and what, what are the, what's the guidance or what's the support system behind someone who has had a child and then expected to take a PT test within the allotted time, which is a year, 365 days after childbirth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we were talking about it and a lot of service members explained how they were still struggling, even though they were given a year to, to get back into shape. They're expected to take a full on 100 percent PT test. And whether they are ready for that or not, they have to take that test. And, mm-hmm. you know, bar any limitations, if they fail that test, it goes down as an official failure. So I looked into the guidance and the guidelines that the Air Force provided, and it's literally like a paragraph, like 
yay small. It's like really small. And pretty much just tells them, hey, you've had your child. Congratulations. Listen to your obstetrician. That's it. No more guidance. That's it. So as a bodybuilder, a professional trainer, somebody who's into, you know, fitness and is definitely in that lifestyle, I developed a program that not only helps a active duty member get back into physical readiness postpartum, but also helps to build on the support system, provides a whole array of things. It isn't only just tackle fitness, but their mental readiness, spiritual, nutrition, health, all that kind of stuff. And that has been officially brought up and backed by headquarters Air Force. It is under currently a SBIR-1 awarded contract from AFWorks to put the program digitally on a digital platform, partnering with Pair Sports. And uh, yeah, we're doing really good. It's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be available to everybody, Air Force-wide, no matter where you are, what time it is. It'll be every- available to everybody and everybody will have access. So That's awesome. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, you do a lot of things other than. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's good. You know, I think it's important to. I'm a highly ambitious person. But I do so in not not I mean, obviously, there's there's a level of selfishness to it, I guess, where it is about you and what you're wanting to do. But I never want to elevate myself without elevating others. Mm -hmm. Um, I always want to bring people along with me, one, because I don't know everything. So I need people like Shay and Bodie and, you know, Scott Masons and Oleg's and everybody like that. I need everybody like that on, uh, along the way on my journey as I find whatever it is that, you know, Caleb is meant to be or meant to do. So that rise is a rise together, not a rise as one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's important to me. You know, it's a, such support is such a huge thing and such a great segue into the <laughs> how I always start the the podcast of asking the first question of what does investing in people mean to you, Caleb? Investing in people. That's a really, really good question. Investing in people to me means a conscious decision to Take a piece of something that matters to you and a willingness to give it up into the life or well-being of somebody else. Not just say, hey, this is me doing some kind of charity work and passing, right? Anybody can walk by um, somebody playing their instrument on the street or singing or whatever, or you see that homeless person and drop a few coins in their hat or their bucket or whatever. But when I'm investing in you, I'm taking something of my own within myself, deep within myself that I value. It's like money, right? An Mm -hmm. investment. It's it's got to have meaning behind it to you that you're putting into something else. And it is a risk. It's always a risk. But when you're investing, you're hoping to put in a risk in good return. Mm -hmm. Um, And the return on that for me is that person's well-being. Mm. That's what that means to me. Yeah. And you, you know, hit on a really great topic of taking a risk. So I know myself, I've taken many risks and it worked out. So is there a particular risk that you care to share with us that you have taken? Mm-hmm. And it may have worked out. It might not have worked out. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, definitely my my last relationship. And we talked about this, you and I. So my last relationship, that was definitely a risk in because we he and I broke up several times throughout our relationship. And, you know, since he, he went back to tech, I was here in Montgomery, uh, Alabama. He went back to Texas and we, we agreed that he'd come back out to, to Montgomery the, the last time that we got back together. And I was invested in that relationship, but in more so I was invested in, in him simply for the fact that I wanted to be with him and I wanted us to be able to grow and everything together, right? His well-being was important to me. And 
bringing him back out, knowing that he wasn't at first immediately going to have occupation, his monetary contribution to the household wasn't going to be there at the beginning. And we knew that that was a risk. It was a big risk because I was also at the time trying to rebuild my financial status and accounts after going through a very turbulent house selling process. So it was it was very risky. You know, I think things kind of lined up in a certain way that it, it made it work out. But when he finally did get get out here, you know, I was very much willing to invest a lot of myself, a lot of my time and everything into it. But I think this is where, you know, the good or bad comes out. I think in that me pouring a lot of myself into him and into that relationship, I think he saw it as a way to kind of gain control over me. And just like, you know, I spoke to you about before, I didn't see that control happening. Yeah. It was little by little, but it ended up being a lot, you know, and towards the end, it got to the point to where it was very, I was very unrecognizable to myself. Mm-hmm. Disassociation, right? Self-dissociation. And I did, I did not recognize myself. And once I did look in the mirror and realize that I didn't recognize or what I saw, I didn't like it. And it, something needed to change. So, yeah. Would I go back and and risk that again? Make the, the, Yeah, I mean, I would. The reason why is because you can't change your... Sometimes you just can't change your circumstances. And what happens, happens. But it's how you deal with it that matters. And the way I came out. And the people that you... That are there to support you and help you along the way. And you came right in the right... In the perfect mm. time. Because I think when we spoke, that was the first time I got to speak about it. And I actually got to really let myself feel it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Well, thank you so much for for sharing that, for for being willing to be vulnerable and share what happened. I, You know, it's so interesting how we will sometimes take a risk on a relationship and pour ourselves into it. Like you said, we invest. And then the other person can either, you know, they get to choose how, what they want to do. They can invest back or they can use it against us. Mm. And it sounds like that's what happened to you was that he used it against you. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what happened to me in in a particular relationship that I was in and that word control, you know, people say, well, another person can't control another person. And I agree. However, there's a whole lot of mind control and manipulation and Mm -hmm. uh, a whole lot of like mind, like your mindset shifts. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you said you couldn't even recognize yourself, I couldn't, I was to that point too. I couldn't recognize myself. And even now to look back at pictures, Mm -hmm. it took me years to see who I am now, whether to not see that person Mm -hmm. that I, I was because I was unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. as well so i get it i totally get it i love that you shared that thank you yeah yeah and i think um when it comes to investing in the realm of investing in things your investment in a person i think that's the riskiest right because mm-hmm. another person is the most uncontrollable variable that you can invest in you can give so much into another person, but there is no way you can control their return of that giving or what they're going to do with that. So the best thing to do is to go into it without expectation. Yes. Right. There's things that you want to happen and things that you are hoping that will happen. And even things maybe possibly that you have verbally spoke about to this person to happen after the exchange of whatever it is I'm going to give you, whether I'm investing my time, my money, my love, whatever, there may have been a verbal exchange to see, to Mm -hmm. to know what I'm going to be getting in return on my investment. But at the same time, it doesn't matter because you cannot control that other person. Right. That other person is going to do what they are going to do. And unfortunately there are other people out there that will say oh yeah we're good but we'll completely turn that investment around or they'll just take it and run yeah Mm -hmm. and and, you know for me i was like i I, you said that you were glad that you did what you did because you showed up 
to me, I feel like you and I are so similar. We showed up authentically who we were, right? With when our relationship, so would we have invested less? Maybe now that we have understand boundaries and we understand, you know, that whole um, dynamic of a hundred hundred percent relationship rather than a 50, 50 relationship. But mm-hmm. I think at the time we had to go through it in order to learn those lessons. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I say, you know, people are like, well, aren't you mad at him? And I'm like, no, actually, I'm really glad it was him and not mm-hmm. someone worse. Cause it right. could have very easily have been someone worse and I wouldn't be standing here today. I mean, I really thought that he was going to kill me at some point. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he didn't and the fact that he wasn't worse off, you know, right. as someone else. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's very important. And you also bring up a good point. And, you know, a lot of people ask, you know, aren't do you, you know, that's, you know, I tell them a story and they want to be like, oh, he's, he's horrible. He's that he's this, you don't understand his, his situation. Right. Um, right. You don't understand. You you only know what I've told you about it. Now, right. I could, I mean, I'm not, you know, lying or anything, but you don't know what I've left out. You don't know what, how I have spoke about it. I believe that it takes two to destroy a relationship. It takes maybe one big action for that one for it to be completely done. But there's a reason why that action happened in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's because in whatever realm you know, if if it's the result of somebody stepping out of the relationship, maybe they stepped out because they weren't getting what they thought they, they could get or uh, or was no longer um, getting what they wanted out of the relationship, but didn't know how to break away from the person. So they wouldn't step out. In either case, it's not good, but it does take two, right, yeah. to end a relationship. And I, 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 I know that I could have done a lot more on my part, as far as communicating, I'm horrible at communicating. Horrible. You know, and I know it's something I definitely need to work on. So, you know, I, I, I own up to my things. And do I hate him? No, I do not. He just wasn't right for me. Yeah. Um, and I think he saw a way to kind of take advantage of the situation. And he did it. He grabbed mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. He grabbed that, that, that opportunity to do so. Was it great? No. Did it hurt? Oh, yeah. But, you know, I I am who I am now. And that is separate. But I don't curse him. I don't hate him. I wish him the the best of life. And, you know, that's all I can say. I I, I spend a lot of time in, in negativity with all that negative energy. I mean, how do I ever expect any positive things to manifest within my life? Absolutely. You know, I have to to let our listeners know this was unscripted. (laughs) Uh, This is just the direction that the conversation went. And yet it's so needed to be talked about, Caleb. So thank you so much for sharing because with the timeframe that I met you, um, so within this year, I had met at least five other men who had been in toxic relationships. One whose girlfriend stabbed him, one where mm. his his wife had tried to choke him, mm. and one where his girlfriend was trying to, it wasn't even, it was about control. She was just trying to use her body to pin him down. Mm-hmm. She wasn't trying to necessarily do anything to him other than stop him. Right. And and I will say that, and, and oh, this was physical abuse, but there was also, you know, mental and verbal mm. abuse as well. And it's just so interesting to me and why I love that the conversation kind of went this way is how we don't really talk about men being abused mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when there are, it's the un, you know unspoken thing that men talk about or mm-hmm. don't talk about. Right. And it's like, okay, but we could bring light to this ignite podcast, bring yeah. the, bring the light to it mm-hmm. and, and really share you know, other people's perspective, other people's situation that to let other men know who've gone through it, that you're not alone. Right. Definitely. So if there's someone that is in a relationship right now, male or female, doesn't matter, that is hearing you, hearing your story, Caleb, and thinking, I'm at my wit's end here. I don't know what to do. I'm unrecognizable, like we both were. 
what advice would you give them to help them, you know, see that there's light at the end of the tunnel? Well, first off, and one thing that you really helped me with, Shay, is the first thing you're going to want to do is blame yourself. The first thing you're going to want to do is blame yourself for allowing, you know, and I put that in quotes, right? You allowed, but it's not that you allowed it because you didn't know what was happening, right? Right. But for for me, I, I was angry at myself for not seeing things sooner and allowing it to get to that point. So my first piece of advice would be don't blame yourself. Forgive yourself because you are human and you're not alone. Most, I'm going to say nine times out of 10, a toxic relationship, it goes on that way and it goes on that long and that deep because you can't see that it's happening. Exactly. It's, it's, that's how they are meant to be. They're a slow process. Mm -hmm. It's not a in your face, you know, just, ah, you know, that happens all at once. It is, it is a slow process. It is a poison that has seeps into your relationship somehow, either in the guise of mistrust Mm -hmm. or disrespect or just plain maliciousness. And it grows and it just spreads like a poison. So the first thing you're going to want to do is blame yourself. I'm saying don't because it's not your fault. You are not stupid. You're not blind. It, for all intensive purposes of a toxic relationship being what it is, it did its job. And then two, talk to somebody. Don't try to do it alone. You need to talk to somebody because one, chances are for me, it took the other person to even show me that that's what it was. Mm. It's not something I could have seen alone. Maybe I could have, but not in the time that I did. Right. right? And then maybe my reaction would have been a whole lot different, possibly worse after seeing that, you know. So when you get into a place of self-loathing, the worst thing you can do is be by yourself. Yes. So talk to somebody, have somebody. And then third, and I say that because my thing is I want to lock myself away. And not be around anybody, not be around in the world. And I want to shut off to the world. But reality is, is life is going on, right? Mm-hmm. Life is happening. Yeah, that situation happened and it happened for as long as it did. And that's time I can't get back, right? Time is a very, very precious thing because it's, it's one, it's constant, but it's also, there's no receipt on time. You don't right. get anything back. So the whole time you're sitting there pouring energy and sulking and mourning and all of that, all of that time is going by where you could have been doing something else positive for yourself, rebuilding yourself. So go out, go be with your friends, do what you're going to do, lean on them. They're going to be there to support you. Don't blame yourself and talk it out. Mm. Thank you. I love that. And I love that you said, you know, go, go out. Uh, you and I are both extroverts so going out would be just going around other people and Mm -hmm. getting a positive energy so I will definitely you know bounce off what you just said and add find people who will be speak life into you and Mm -hmm. build build you back up rather than other maybe your friends are also tearing you down and you didn't notice that either Mm. and so now it's time to look at that as well and you know put yourself around some positive people too yes and you know that reminds me of one of my favorite um things to say is sometimes the circumstances sometimes in order to change your circumstances you need to change your circle yes so take a look at those who are around you if they're continuing to pour into that toxicity and that negative Sometimes you just got to let them go, right? Sometimes you just have to let them go. And you know what I'm saying? That you have to do it in any kind of mean or negative right. or, you know, malicious kind of way. But sometimes you need to, to let them go and they've run their course. You know, it's we grow as in people within ourselves. We grow, we mature. There's no reason to think that our lives, uh, social uh, lives don't also grow and, and mature. And sometimes we outgrow people. So Mm. recognize that. So true. Sometimes we outgrow people. So I'm just going to shift gears here a little bit and, and talk about how, you know, I know that you have, that we have connected. I know you're friends with Bodhi. I know you've got probably many, many mentors and support in your life. So how, who, 
who do you want to sh- share with us that really was in a pivotal person in your life that really mentored you or taught you or guided you something to help you kind of shift into a, a better path. We'll put it that mm-hmm. way. Not a, not a, not a good path, a better path. Better path. Yes. So, you know, I'm going to bring up two individuals actually in pertaining to my um, Air Force career. And I, I lean on that because so much of what has happened to me in my Air Force career has allowed my professional life to manifest the way it has. And I would first say my the chief that first saw something in me b- beyond what I could see in myself, and that is Chief Master Sergeant Kenny Mott. And at the time, he was the command chief of the 7th Bomb Wing over at Dias Air Force Base in Texas. And I was working on the flight line as aircraft armament expediting. At the time, I was just a staff sergeant. I was a staff sergeant for a very long time. <laughs> took me a long time to, to make tech, but that's okay because I, I don't regret anything. I mean, I take ownership for the way my career has gone, good and bad. But, you know, we were, I, w- I had just, gotten an individual as a let me say the correct word because i know if there's any army people listening they're going to want to be like you're not army you don't have troops so my airmen we we say troops right my troop but you know i think civilians wouldn't care but branch to branch i guess we need to be more specific i just gotten a new airman under my my not my my supervision and he was troubled. He had, you know, some issues. He had to go through disciplinary and inherited his, 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 I guess, troublesome, you know, great guy, great guy. Just Air Force isn't for everybody. So he, he anyway, he was in the process. It just came to the point to where we just had to boot him. Right. <laughs> and in that process, you know, we're dealing with the first sergeant. I'm in front of the commander all the time in my full service dress and everything. And he just kept messing up, you know, even in the process of getting him removed, he kept messing up. But one thing that I noticed, though, is every time we went in there to speak to the commander or whoever, everybody wanted to crucify this kid. Mm. This is this is this is somebody that we invested. Right. Investing in. people. Yeah. Yeah. We invested training, time, money. Not only that, but the Air Force prop. Air Force told his family, his mother, he's a young kid, 18 year old when he joined, told his mother, his father, whoever, he's going to join the Air Force, ma'am, sir, and we're going to take care of him. Mm. And even in the process of us getting you removed, I'm not about to sit here and you know you did wrong. It's bad. You know, we already we already know what you did wrong. You don't need me constantly reminding you and you don't need me putting more nails in your coffin. Right. Right. So during that process, I recognized that that's how everybody else wanted to treat it. And nobody was making sure he was okay. There was Mm. times where I had to get up and go and spend the whole night over over at his apartment because I was afraid that, you know, he might hurt himself or something. Mm -hmm. There were times where, you know, I would leave the gym you know, right in the middle of my workout and rush over to him just to make sure he was okay. You know, I had to send him over to a mental health facility for a few weeks because he needed some some guidance and stuff. But it was through that process that I realized that, man, I can't, because I was going to get out of the Air Force. And, I, and it was through that process I realized, I, I realized that, you know, I, I can't get out of the Air Force because there aren't enough of me. Mm. There's not enough me's out here. So there are other NCOs that are willing to do what I was willing to do, but not enough. Right. Cause yeah. I would, out of the, the five of five or six of us that were working with this airman directly, I was the one that was willing to kind of be in his corner while also going through the process. And so if I'm thinking one out of five, that's not enough me, I can't get out. So through that process, I was really close with the first sergeant and he watched the whole thing. He saw how passionate I was, how we took care, how I took care of my airmen and also made sure he became a successful civilian. And through that process, I guess he went and spoke to Chief Mott and Chief Mott came down and coined me and I was recognized for my leadership and my supervision. Mm-hmm. And then later, 
not soon after that, he hired me as his exec. And that was the turning point in my career. That opportunity to develop, continue to develop myself directly under the highest senior enlisted person on the base who saw something in me that was worth nurturing, saw that I had such potential to give back and affect so many people on such a larger scale that I now say it every time saved my career. Mm. And, you know, I was only with Chief Mott for a short while. I'm sorry if you hear lapping. That's my dog. He's a loud drinker. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, I say saved my career because I was going to get out. Not that I was in any kind of trouble, but I was going to make a decision to get out because I didn't see purpose within my service anymore. Mm. But Chief Mott reignited that purpose. Yeah. Right. He showed me there's a... I. It's not that I need to stay in the Air Force. The Air Force needs me to stay. Mm. Right? There's a difference between something that you want to do or what you think you need and then something else needing you. Right? Mm -hmm. That's a big difference when it comes to purpose and searching for a purpose. He showed me it was it was the Air Force needed me. And then, you know, it was only about three months or so that I was his exec, he PCS to move on. And then we got Chief Duggar and he's the second person that has been the most impactful person on my life. And in even recent years and Chief Duggar also saw what Chief Mott that I saw, but he was also able to take all of that, fan it even more and pretty much show me that there was no limitations to my possibilities. Hmm. But he was also there to keep me humble, right? Yeah. When he when things were going great and I was, you know, I was winning award after award, when my name was in everybody's mouth, right? In a good way. I'm like, oh, I'm good. Chief Mott was quick to be like, yo, get your life. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back down because you're not there yet. We're, you know, you're doing great things. But remember, right? Always remember to stay grounded. Remember where you came from. Remember your people. You take care of your people and you're going to get taken care of. That's how it works. You know, things are happening for you because you took care of everybody else first. Yeah. So, yeah. And Chief Mott, he's going to be retiring just here in a few weeks at the end of July. And I can't wait because I'll go back to Texas to go see his retirement. I'm not Chief Mott. I'm sorry. Chief Duggar is. Chief Mott is is headed on to his next leadership position still in the Air Force. But yeah, those two individuals, I call them my Air Force dads. They are, I love them to death. They're incredible people. You know, thank you for sharing that. Such a beautiful story of how when you're surrounded by the right people, you know, you're, like you said, your possibilities are endless. Mm -hmm. And now you see the world as being open for you rather than against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. And so take us back, if you will, and you're, you know, in high school, you're thinking about what's next for you. And how did you, be, you know, make that decision to go into the Air Force versus, you know, choosing a different career path? <laughs> you know, I this is a funny story, too, because I I had no intention of joining the Air Force. I did not want I I didn't even like I knew that the United States had an Air Force. But I didn't even know I could even get in like that. You know, I don't know. I thought like everybody else, not everybody else, but a majority of people. And I laugh now because people actually ask me that. I thought that everybody was pilots and they they flew planes. That's what it was. And um, it's funny because now, you know, when I tell people in the Air Force, they're like, oh, so you fly. And I'm like, no, no. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> the majority of us really don't. We don't fly. There's, I mean, we have pilots, plenty of them, but that is not the that's not that's not the bulk of the, the people occupied in the Air Force. But no, I I was in school and maybe not hanging out with the best people, right? Change your circle. <laughs> yeah. But no, a friend of mine. He was like, hey, I'm joining the Air Force. And I was like, Mm. good for you. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he's like, hey, you should join too. And I was like, no, I don't want to. Not happening. I'm not joining the Air Force. I'm not joining the military. I wanted to be a doctor. 
I wanted mm. to be a cardiac surgeon. And then I also had a passion for politics. So I, I knew that I wanted to go into government. And then I also wanted to be a doctor. Wow. So he was like, no, no, you know, you should join whatever. I was like, no, I'm not going to. I was like, but I'll go with you to go talk to re- the recruiter if you need some support. He was like, okay. So we went down there um, to go talk to the Air Force recruiter. And and I noticed that it was his, it was him talking because he was for sure going to join, right? Mm-hmm. But the recruiter was, he could not stop ga- like glancing over at me. Like he was... <laughs> I'm like, keep your eyes over there, you know, dude, because this isn't you're you're looking in the wrong place. I'm not looking to join. But I knew what was it's like un that un it's like an unsaid communication yep. that was going on between me and the, the a recruiter, kind of like telepathy. And I was like, bruh, you know, you see, I know what you want, but I'm not no, we're not going there. I don't want to join. But excuse me. But anyway, so after after you got done talking to Michael. That was my friend. He turned towards me and I was like, nope. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, well, you know, you could. You seem like a very smart person and this and that. And, you know, you seem like you're very smart. It would be really good. You know, you probably would have a good time and all that. And I was like, no, no. He's like, well, you know, there's, is, there is this program called the Buddy Program where you can join with a friend and we'll keep you all together through basic training and into tech school. And then after that, you know, it's whatever, wherever the Air Force needs you. So, but it guarantees you stay together all the way from basic and tech school until until you go into the big Air Force and actually do your job. And I was like, actually, that sounds pretty cool. And at the time, I was not doing the best things, you know. Sometimes you just have to take take the hint from the world and do what you need to do. So I was like, okay, fine, I'll join. So I signed up. And it was the last examination before we were supposed to ship out our last physical. And we were at the uh, MEPS building. That's the processing place. And, you know, I had finished all of my physical and everything was fine. And then it was Michael. He comes up to me. He's like, hey, I'm not going to be able to join today. I'm like, what do you mean you're not going to be able to join today? He's like, I'm not going to be able to join. And I was like, why? And he said, well, it's my eyes. Michael wore like the thickest Glasses, oh no right <laughs> and i'm like why he's like with my eyes you know he says they're, they say they're too bad <laughs> he was like oh i'm not gonna be able to join today but i'm gonna get like lasik and then you know join after that and i was like oh okay so we can wait i'm not gonna join today either he's like no no you should still join i'm just not gonna go today and i was like no this was a buddy thing right and this was actually your idea. I'm not joining without you. He's like, no, Joy, I promise you. I'm going to get the LASIK and I, I'll be fine. We'll join. I'll join you later. And I was like, fine. So I joined that day and shipped out. And August 2nd, I shipped out. And it's been 16 years. And my <laughs> Michael has yet to get that LASIK <laughs> and join the Air Force. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Still, I'm still here. I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah, still waiting. But <laughs> it's funny though, because I mean, Michael and I are still friends today. But it's just I'm like, hey, you getting you getting that that LASIK? <laughs> but you know, it's cool. It's I, I I have zero regrets on that decision to join the Air Force. Air Force, you know, I'm not bleeding blue or whatever, but I will tell you, I mean. There is no better thing out there when it comes to stability, mm-hmm. when it comes to experiencing, I guess, the world outside of your world. Mm-hmm. It makes you grow up fast, but not in a uh, drill sergeant in your face screaming you down kind of thing, yeah. but in a you have responsibility and a purpose kind of thing. So you want to grow up to fulfill that, right? I've spent 10 and a half years living overseas. I've said, seen more of the world than I have the United States. I have no regrets. The Air Force has been everything. Air Force has been everything. You know, it has seen me through a marriage and a divorce. It has seen me through my highest and low and lowest low points of financial stability and income. The Air Force has always still been there when I'm breaking down or I'm coming out, Mm -hmm. or 
I am meeting new incredible people like Chase Sparks, <laughs> or I'm launching a podcast, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I still have the Air Force. So, yeah, it's been an incredible journey and um, going to be a sad day when I do have to retire. Mm. <laughs> Well, I have to say, one of the things that I love that you have really shown in this interview, not not just in this interview, but in your everyday life, is that as a leader, you are the example that you needed to see. Mm. And it just shows that every point that you've made, every story that you've told. And so it's just such a a beautiful thing to see how it all's kind of come together. So Mm -hmm. even though your friend didn't go, he was the messenger and Mm -hmm. you were still like, oh, he's going to make it. And 16 (laughs) years later, you're still like, oh, well, whatever. (laughs) You know, thank you for being the leader that you are because you really are an example. Well, thank you. I try to be, I've had I've had giants, you know, lead in front of me, you know, and I just do my best to not, I don't try to, I guess, I'm not trying to be them, right? I'm trying to expand what they left behind, Mm. not replicate it, but expand it, improve even more. Chief Duggar says there's always another level. So even if you've done something great already, there's always another bigger, greater thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why people say the sky's the limit. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Because there's no ceiling, no cap. Right. There's no cap on things. And when you've gotten to a point in your life where you think that you have done enough or you've done it all, man, I want to know about your life because you must have done incredible things and some a whole lot of it. Because if you feel, I mean, there's a difference between being fulfilled and then feeling like there's nothing left to do, right? Right, right. A sense of fulfillment is awesome. That means that you you say, I'm happy with the height. I know I could have probably risen higher, but I'm happy with where I've gotten to and I'm cool there. But um, feeling complete as in there isn't any higher. Oh, I, I don't want everyone to see that. Because I don't think that that exists, really. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I definitely try to walk in the large footsteps of those who came before me and to also leave behind even bigger footprints mm. for those who are going to come behind me, you know? Yeah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And our time is getting coming to a close. <laughs> so where can people connect with you, your social media or your listen to your website or listen to your podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> so currently you can listen to Ignite. I have a LinkedIn, but you can find it on Instagram at at the underscore Ignite podcast. It will have a separate website soon, but you can find it on the Shadows podcast, their website or on, the, on their Facebook page, since it was born from the shadows and they are, Almost, they are definitely uh, sisters in podcasts. You can find it there. You can find me also on Instagram and on Facebook. You just type in my name and I'm pretty sure you can figure out who I am. (laughs) Just Caleb Pearson. I think on um, Instagram, I'm Caleb Q Pearson 87. Yeah, just, just kind of find out about me. And What's going on with Ignite? Like I said, we just ended not too long ago, season one. That was kind of like, okay, let's get the, let's see, let's test the waters. Let's get the temperature, see what's out there, see what we can do. Expect season two to be a little bit of a revamp, a rebranding. We're not changing the way it looks, just maybe a little bit about the delivering. Mm. And so now that I'm a little bit more comfortable, I'm going to pour a little bit more of myself into it. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be some great things coming. Shay is going to come back for season two. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I would love it. Shay's coming back for I season two. So we're definitely going to have Shay back. And I think we're going to do some panel kind of stuff. We're going to do a lot more open conversation things, mm-hmm. a lot like we're doing here mm-hmm. and where I've, I've done on, on other podcasts and stuff like that. So look for that. And then also look for the YouTube to come out here soon, too. So that's what's happening. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, you so you can find Ignite, the Ignite podcast on Instagram and all of the 
all of the podcast platforms, you can listen to it on there as well. And so, Caleb, I just enjoyed our time together, especially when we got to meet in person. <laughs> my my abs are still like hurting from the <laughs> exercise of laughing so hard. So you're just such a joy and a gem. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Shay. And I always like to finish with this question of what is a phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Oh, what am I living by right now? Oh, there's always time. Mm. There's always time. Because, and I say that because... Uh, because of everything that's going on right now with me moving and I'm feeling like I don't have a whole lot of, you know, at the end of the day, you know, my friend, he's like, calm down. You've got time, you know, there's always time. So don't, don't feel like you got to like just rush through life and you're about to miss something. You got time. So just calm mm-hmm. down. Yeah. So that's so, my mantra right now. I love that. You got time. <laughs> I love it. Great. Yes. Well, thank you for being here, Caleb. And thank thank you for listening to The Power of Investing in People with Shay Sparks. If you enjoyed this episode, because I know you did, and you probably even took notes because Caleb's incredible, we invite (laughs) you to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Until next time, let's get fired up. Don't turn this off just yet. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.